down and I give it completely to the Lord, the Lord comes and He uses my life for His purposes rather than inviting God to come be a part of my purposes and my plans. Rather, I lay my life down and allow God to take me and use me for His purposes. Then I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. More often than not, God's purposes and God's plans and His dreams for our life and for the use of our life aren't always laid out in front of us. More often than not, what God does in our life, He kind of leaves, leaves it just hidden from us to a certain extent in the sense that God longs for us to desperately want and need Him. And that, that is, is essentially what is best for us. While me longing and wanting for, for you to want or need me in this youth ministry would be great for my ego, it would be a detriment to you. If I, you know, standing there, sitting down there tonight, you know, one of the things I love is that I can remember when I first came here and Felicia was in 7th grade, 8th grade, going into 8th grade. What grade was she in? 7th going into 8th. When I came here, she was going into what? Ninth grade? Eighth grade. She was going into eighth grade. Whatever. One of the things I love was the fact that, well, I don't love it, but one of the things I loved about tonight was when I first got here, Felicia was leading worship. And and it was was, uh, just out of necessity. I mean, she had obviously been gifted with talents, and, and so she was just thrown out there to lead worship because that, that's where we kind of ended out. Um, and so I kind of took experience that I had from the past and kind of threw myself in there and took it upon myself to help. Okay, let's, let's get you all from point A to point B. Let's take your talents and let's grow them. Let's expand on them. Let's, let's get you to a place. And the same thing we still do today with all of our students that feel called to do that. Let's get you to a place that where when you graduate from here, you can go to any church, any praise team, and just walk in and say, hey, I'm here to serve and be able to just go with it. Um, and by and large, you know, in a lot of ways, we've done that. But... But it took a lot of work on my part. One of the things I loved about tonight was the ability to sit there and worship and not have to be up here. I love that because it means I'm not needed anymore. And that now, now don't get me wrong, that's a huge blow to my ego. It, it's kind of contrary to job security. I mean, it's not like, but at the same time, it means that God is doing his work. And, and, and any time in ministry I work myself out of a job, then I'm doing my job. Uh, and, and so it was beautiful. It was beautiful to see KJ and, and, of course, James up here who's also a graduate and Felicia, uh, to have Dane be able to come in and help out. Man, it's just it's, it's an awesome thing. And a lot of times when God works his plans out, it, it, it requ- doesn't require huge amounts of us doing... That just sounds weird. doesn't requ- uh, require us... To, you can turn that off in the monitor. Thank you. That was tripping me out. doesn't require us to do these monumental things that at the end of the day we can go, man, I'm good. No, what it requires of us more often than not is us going through things that we don't understand, can't comprehend because they're part of God's 
bigger purpose. And that's what I mean when I say allowing God to give us God-sized dreams. Tonight we're going to look, you know, that's what we're talking about this morning. Tonight we're going to look at a specific case in the Bible where God did that with an individual. God had a huge dream for this individual. And this individual did not realize for years, for decades, that God was working out a plan and a purpose that would ultimately be the salvation of an entire nation. But it took this individual a long time to realize what God was doing. But in the midst of that process, he never doubted God. And it was because of his humility and servant's heart and allowing God to do his thing. And rather than question God, he just, I mean, he might have gone through times where he didn't like it. But rather than question God, he just submitted to God and allowed God to do his thing. That, that God fulfilled huge things through this individual. So if you brought your Bibles, turn to Genesis We're not going to read all of this because it's, you know, several chapters. But you write this down because you need to do your homework at home. Starting in Genesis chapter 37, we're going to go all the way through 45. So let me read a couple of verses in 37, and then I'm going to tell you the story. You can read the rest later, and then we'll end up in 45. Starting in verse 5, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream. And what he had said. Then he had another dream when he told his brothers, listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Well, here's how the story goes on. Joseph was the son of the youngest son of Jacob, and, uh, and he told his brothers, you know, one, if I had a dream where all my brothers and sisters were bowing down to me, I'd like to think that I wouldn't tell them. But the reality of it is I probably would. You know, if you guys right now had a dream, you know, that you're like suddenly going to be the next owner of the Dallas Mavericks and a billionaire, and that your brothers and sisters are going to come working for you or something, you know, you might go home and go be like, Check out this dream I had. That's right, so you better start being nice to me now because I'm your livelihood in the future. You know, honestly, that's what brothers and sisters do. And I don't know if Joseph was doing it out of spite or he was just naive, but he tells his brothers these dreams. And then he even goes as far when he has another dream to tell his brothers but also tell his dad, essentially, listen, I had this dream that y'all were coming in like bowing down to me. Well, needless to say, his brothers didn't like it. His brothers were very jealous. So one day, Joseph's out taking lunch to the brothers in the field, and the brothers come along, and they're like, oh, here comes Joseph, Mr. Know-it-all, greater than all of us, holier-than-thou, righteous Joseph with the coat of many colors. Let's, let's, let's kill him. I'm sick and tired of this guy. So they start to plot. One of the brothers is like, he's our brother. We can't kill him. 
You can't do that. Let's throw them in this cistern, which is a dry well. And they're like, okay. So they get Joseph. Joseph comes on the scene, and they're like, hey, dude, check this out. And he's like, what? And they're like, look. And he goes, what? And they're like, what? <laughs> and goes Joseph. And Joseph's like, I stumbled and fell. Get me out. And they're like, no. You know. Well, then they're conspiring. Okay, what do we do now? Oh, man, we're like most teenagers. They didn't think before they acted. And they're like, wow, if we get him out, he's going to tell dad. And dad's going to tan our hide. What do we do now? Well, about that time, lo and behold, surprisingly, mere coincidence, not, these Egyptians are traveling by. So the brothers think, well, let's sell him to these Egyptians as a servant. So they do. They sell him. Now, I don't know about you and what's going on or what has gone on in your life, but, but I don't know if any of you in here have ever been sold especially by a brother or a sister. But crazy. I mean, Joseph's going through some stuff here that's just ridiculous. Not only did Joseph prophetically see dreams where his brothers and father and mother are going to bow down to him, but the next thing that happens major enough in his life to be recorded in Scripture is his brothers decide to kill him, then decide they better not, so they sell him into slavery to a foreign nation. And you think you're going through injustice when your parents make you clean your room. Or we think we're going through injustice when we get fired. Or when our boss gets onto us at work. Or our teachers require something of us that we don't think is fair. Well, here's Joseph, and he just got sold by his brothers into slavery to a foreign nation. So they do. The Egyptians take him into Egypt, and through a series of events, Joseph ends up being sold to this guy's, or guy's house named Potiphar. And... Potiphar takes him on as a servant, and Joseph is essentially house cleaner for Potiphar. And then and amongst his duties one day, Potiphar's wife notices Joseph all hot and sweaty cleaning things up, and she's like, oh, you know, Israelite, yummy, yummy, whatever. I don't know, Potiphar was uh, merely a fluential guy, whatever. Who, we don't know anything, Bible doesn't elaborate. All we know is that Potiphar's wife took an interest, a sexual interest in Joseph. And so one day when he's working or something, she's like, hey, my, uh, you know, my toilet isn't flushing. Can you come check it out? And he's like, yes, I'll be there. And he walks in. She's nude. You know, she's got the, it's kind of like that Coors commercial, you know, where the husband comes home and there's all the flowers around, you know. And he starts following the flowers and it leads him to the fridge and there's a note on the fridge that says, come find me or whatever. And he opens the fridge and there's the six pack of Coors in there. And she comes out around the door and she's got her laundry on and she's like, do you like what you see? And he's like, oh, yes. And he picks the six-pack, and he's like, it's got a window, and it tells me it's cold. Thanks, babe. And he walks in there and sits down in front of the TV and puts out one of the candles. No, it's nothing like that. Potiphar's wife comes, and she's all ready to, to seduce him or whatever, and Joseph comes in on the scene, and Joseph says, oh, snap. I don't know what they said in Jewish days back then. It would have been in Hebrew, so it was something more like, hush, you know, whatever. I'm not sure. But, but Joseph doesn't do anything there. He doesn't try to fight it. He turns around and runs. In fact, the Bible elaborates a little bit and says that she had already kind of started to undress him. 
So he runs out of Potiphar's house semi-nude. She suddenly is now left in a predicament because the neighbors have seen that he's running out of the house semi-nude. So she comes up with this plot and the story to save her own hide and accuses him of trying to bust a move on her. And so when Potiphar gets home, she tells him Potiphar has him thrown in prison. If you haven't noticed, Joseph's life is not going according to his plan. God gave him a dream, remember? A dream that his brothers and his mother and father would bow down to him. And since that dream, Joseph has been tried to be killed by his brothers, then sold into slavery, became a slave for a man in a foreign nation whose wife tried to seduce him. He got blamed, and now he's in prison. His life is not going well. So Joseph's in prison, and he spends... A long time in prison. Somewhere along the way, uh, Pharaoh starts having these dreams, and no one can interpret them. And somebody down in the lower ranks hears about Pharaoh's dreams and says, Hey, we got this guy in prison right now that interprets dreams. His name's Joseph. Somehow, through a series of events, Pharaoh has Joseph brought to him, and he tells him these dreams. And, he said, and, and essentially, Joseph starts interpreting these dreams. And dreams come true. Pharaoh is so astonished with Joseph that through a long series of events, Joseph ends up being second in command of Egypt. After years of being in servitude and in prison, he now is, through his faithfulness through that, his unwavering faithfulness to God, he is now put in a position where he's second in command under Pharaoh. Sure enough, Pharaoh's dreams come true, and we have seven years of drought, and the Israelites are starving to death. And lo and behold, we get to chapter 45, where Joseph's brothers come to him, not knowing that it's him, asking for the Egyptians to give them grain because the nation of Israel is starving to death. And Joseph makes them jump through a bunch of hoops, you know, without telling them. And finally we get to chapter 45. Verse 4. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close. He's made them go through all these hoops, and they've gone back and come back and asked for more food and all this stuff. Joseph says to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you, preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Wow. Here's this guy whose brothers in jealous fit of rage tried to kill him, didn't really succeed, realized they shouldn't kill him, sold him into slavery. He was a slave for years, ended up in prison for more years, ended up through that series of events, ends up becoming second in command over all Egypt. And today, in this moment, his brothers have come and have bowed in front of him as the ruler of Egypt asking for a handout. And Joseph, after making them jump through some hoops, finally says, listen, you guys, it's me. It's Joseph. 
And what a response, because Joseph could have been like, yeah, you deserve death, but I'm going to give you food. But he doesn't. He says, why are you guys distressed? Don't be sad about my predicament. Don't be sad that you sold me into slavery, because it was God who sent me here ahead of you for such a time as this, so that when you were in starvation, God would deliver you via me. In other words, what he says to his brothers is, what Satan meant for evil, God has used for good. My suffering in servitude, my suffering in prison was all worth it because today, this day, God delivers an entire nation through your injustice and through my suffering. There's an example of a guy who could have looked at life through his dream, who could have blamed God for everything that went wrong in his life. For years, he lived with everything going wrong in his life. And he could have grown angry and resentful. He could have felt useless to God and become just lame duck, but he didn't. Instead, he recognized that even though everything humanly seemed to be going wrong, God was working out a bigger plan. And that in the end result, God let him walk through all of that so that he could use him then to deliver an entire nation. He understood that God's dreams are bigger than his. His dreams would have been to get out of servitude, to be getting out of prison, to be restored with his father and all these things. But God's dreams were different. God's dreams required that Joseph go through these things so that he could earn the right to be second in command in Egypt so that he could then save God's people so that then one day out of those people, a savior, a Messiah could be born and you and I could sit here today free from guilt of sin and his dream God's story is still not over it continues Joseph's legacy is, did not end with his death his legacy still continues today because we celebrate freedom in Christ in part due to Joseph's obedience and his attitude as he walked through what God walked him through because of his suffering, a nation was delivered from whom the Messiah would come, and we are delivered. There might be all kinds of things going on in your life that you don't understand. There might be all kinds of things going on in your life that you don't like. There might be attributes, whether they be physical or emotional, spiritual, about yourself that you detest. But what God wants from you is not your best. God wants from you everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because God can take your ugly, God can take your bad, and he can take your good, and he can make it all great. All too often in our walk with Christ, in our relationship with our Lord, we limit him because we don't give him all of ourselves. We feel like we need to go fix everything that's wrong in us before we can give those areas of our life to Christ. Like he doesn't want them. But Christ wants them so much that he died on the cross and bought even those areas of our life. And what he wants from us is to give him the whole package. Here I am, God, ugly warts, sinful addictions, failures, here it is, all of it, take it. 
use it however you so choose. God's dreams are bigger than our dreams. And all he wants from us is everything. Sometimes the reason we're not getting healing, spiritual, physical, and emotionally in the areas where we're hurting is because we haven't given them to the Lord. Because we're trying to fix them ourselves. And if anything, today, as we said this morning, my challenge to us is that we quit dreaming man-sized dreams. That we quit thinking that in order for God to use us in a mighty way for his kingdom, we have to give him this package that looks a certain way that meets our approval. We already have our Father's approval. His Son, Jesus Christ's blood shed on the cross covers us. And when Christ looks at us, when God looks at us, he sees his Son living alive and active inside of us. We have the Father's approval. So let's not hold back from him. Let's give him all of who we are because he will use it and he will replace our man-sized dreams with God-sized dreams that we might not understand, we might not can fathom today, but somewhere along the way, all of this stuff that we're dealing with today will fall into place and be a part of his big dream through which he will glorify himself. And that is abundant life. Abundant life is not a life void of issues. Abundant life is a life that can look back on issues and see even the value in those things. Does that make sense? We serve the God of the universe. Dream. Why not? How amazing is the God we serve? It's good stuff. Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray that just like Joseph, we could walk through life with a, a, an attitude towards you that recognizes you as our Lord and Savior, that we would give you all of who we are, knowing and entrusting it to you, knowing that you know what you're doing even when we don't. Lord, that we would be a people who aspire to live lives used by you to, to accomplish the things and the purposes that you have ordained, that you long for, that we could truly experience an abundant life, a life where we can do anything through your Son who strengthens us because our desires are the desires that you have placed in our lives to fulfill the purposes for which you are working all of this out inside of us. God, I pray for freedom from bondage to conviction or to guilt and shame for the things that we've done in our past or the things that have been done to us. I pray that you would free us from the guilt and shame of those things, that we would acknowledge that those things, yes, even those things can be used by you for your purposes. And that we would walk in the freedom and the grace that your son provides. That we could walk in abundant life knowing that even in my mistakes, you are still God. That my mistakes do not limit your power and your desires. That what Satan has meant for evil in my life, you can use for good and you will. Thank you, Lord. Now as we go and eat, I pray you bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.